1: Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This season, football will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day. No matter how you watch, even if you're like me, working from home. On Sundays, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football, watching.
0: You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Today we're going to get started by taking a look at the Bengals' most recent roster move on the offensive line front after another tough effort from this unit. Really did not have a good game on Sunday. That's obvious to everyone that watched. And the options the Bengals have in the middle of the season, unless they make a trade, not great. We'll talk about what they've done on Monday. Then we'll get into Zach Taylor's Monday press conference, and that'll lead to a variety of topics of conversation, offensive line, tackling, play calling, you name it. Zach Taylor answered a lot of tough questions and and didn't really say a lot in true Zach Taylor fashion, but we'll get into what he did say in the second part of the show. Then we're going to wrap up with the question of what is the recipe for ruining a rookie quarterback and how much risk? are the Bengals exposing Joe Burrow to after we figure out what those ingredients are and how they apply in Cincinnati. James, let's get started with the roster move today. Zach Taylor did meet with the media. He didn't talk about this move, but there was some weird timing with the move. The press was talking with Brian Callahan, asked Callahan a question about Shaq Calhoun just as the news broke that the Bengals released him. The corresponding move was the call up from the practice squad, Keaton Sutherland, who rejoined the Bengals after he started his career there, went to Miami last year. Now he's back reunited with Jim Turner and he will be on the active roster most likely this week. Still on the practice squad is Alex Redmond, who I thought would have been ahead of Sutherland in the pecking order. But this move just speaks to the fact that Shaq Calhoun must not have worked out because they brought him in to replace Redmond. Now Redmond's still on the practice squad. Calhoun is out and Sutherland is back on the 53. It's interesting to to go with Sutherland and, you
1: know, inexperienced guy certainly doesn't have the experience factor of Redmond. And here's what I think, Jake. I think the Bengals, and this is me speculating, but I think they know that Redmond is probably their best bet at this stage, given Billy Price's struggles, given what's going on with the Fred Johnson experiment at right guard. And so what they're going to do, because he's been so undisciplined, because he got injured in the offseason wrestling and doing the UFC thing, which is ridiculous. But, you know, he he has he's done nothing to earn their trust. And so I I think that this is them making him earn it a little bit. You know, they left him out there. They didn't sign him to the practice squad right after they released him. He was out there for a couple of weeks. And then last week he signs with the practice squad. And one, it could be game shape. But two, I think it's he's got to show it a little bit and, and kind of earn their trust at least a little to get back in their good graces. And I could totally see him being active and getting playing time, even though he's on the practice squad, be, being one of their call-ups for this week's game against Jacksonville. And then Sutherland is interesting because they clearly liked him last year, signed him as an undrafted free agent, and is getting a shot here. So you would expect – I, I mean, there's only so many reps to go around. I was going to say you would expect all these guys to get reps, but there's only so many to go around. So I, I wonder how the Bengals are going to handle this, because if if you want Redmond to be active this week and potentially play, you would expect him to get at least some reps next to Bobby Hart, right? You don't, you wouldn't just want to plug him in kind of like he did with Billy Price.
2: It seems like that's Jim Turner's style going back to his <laughs> days at AM where he coached Keaton Sutherland, of course. He's just moving guys around the offensive line all all day, all game, every week, week in, week out, different combinations until he finds something that works. And then he doesn't find something that works historically. He hasn't found the winning combination. And so he just keeps shuffling. And we saw it last year. We saw a ton of different offensive line looks and we're continuing to see it now this year. And do I think it would be happening if Xavier Suofilo hadn't gone down with an unlucky injury in week one? No, I think that we might actually have some stability at that point. But the the fact remains that the Bengals are getting really poor play from their guards to the point where, yeah, Bobby Hart is still not a good right tackle, but he is not the biggest problem on this offensive line right now. It's interesting, too, because when you look back at Keaton Sutherland's 2019 and the preseason for the Bengals, he was actually playing a lot of center. When he went to Miami, he was playing both guard positions exclusively. So I think the Bengals will see him as an option to back up the, the three interior positions. He might be in the running to start at right guard this week. Zach Taylor wasn't ready to commit there. And with the options they have of Billy Price, Hakeem Adenogy, and Fred Johnson, and and two of those guys have proven that they can't get it done. I don't think Billy Price, I still don't think Billy Price is getting a, a great opportunity here. But when he was in the game this week, it got worse from, from Fred Johnson who had his own struggles. There were penalties. There were, there were immediate clean losses to Fletcher Cox in overtime. And so I think that the Bengals feel like they just don't have a good option at right guard right now. And they don't, they're both awful. I mean, Billy price,
1: two costly penalties, the false start, which we talked about on Sunday show and then our Monday show, whatever you want to call it, the post game show. And then obviously the holding just nightmare and Fred Johnson wasn't good either. And the crazy part is, and Jake, tell me if I'm crazy here, would you give Fred Johnson a shot at right tackle? Like, like, like with everything going on, like he, he's supposed to be a tackle, right? There was still all that upside. Like, should he get a, a couple reps at right tackle just to see? Cause it's not like, I know Bobby Hart isn't the biggest liability, right now but he's not good and he's certainly a liability would you try
2: it i don't think you're you're there yet i think that you know you you have to find somebody who can at least play baseline NFL, like bad nfl starter level instead of you know bad nfl backup level And, and then you can look at right tackle because right now what they're getting at right tackle is you know really baseline right tackle play So I think that they have a ways to go before they get there. But if you put Fred Johnson at right tackle and Keaton Sutherland at right guard or something, that's going to get worse. That's just the reality of it. So we'll see what they do. They have some problems. They have some options, I guess. None of them necessarily good. And they have until Sunday against a pretty bad Jacksonville Jaguars front to figure it out. Coming up next, we get into what Zach Taylor said to the media on Monday, asked about Sunday's tie game. You could tell he was unhappy. You could tell he was tired. He was up working on film and trying to figure things out. But how much can they figure out this season? We'll get into that coming up next. This episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast is brought to you by Rock Auto, the family business, the online business, the simple website, the easy way to get the parts you need for your vehicle. And like many of our sponsors, we try them, we use them, and we love them. And James, why is it so great? Convenience. Don't we all want to save
1: time and save money? Well, Rock Auto lets you do that because you can shop from the comfort of your own home. No need to mask up and go anywhere. You can go to rockauto.com, search for over 300 different car manufacturers. There are parts for car makers that I haven't even heard of, let alone models. So whether you own a Daewoo or a Honda or a Toyota, it doesn't matter. Ford, they got them all in one spot, rockauto.com. You're going to save money. You're going to be able to shop from the comfort of your own home. So don't delay. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com.
3: This Locked On podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent, that is, until I found...
1: Reacting to what Zach Taylor had to say on Monday, he had basically nearly, what, 23 hours to digest what had happened, the tie against the Eagles, which, let's be honest, everyone involved, it feels like a loss. I talked to some people in Philly, feels like a loss. Obviously, the Bengals, it feels like a loss. No one uh, likes ties, specifically when you're talking about NFL games. But that's the reality of it, and Jake, obviously, the offensive line, we we let off the show with that the offensive line is going to be a hot-button topic the rest of the week, probably the rest of the year. Uh, Zach Taylor said some interesting things about the offensive line. One, he was asked about it, and it was like, well, they gave up eight sacks. And I should have pulled this audio, but he said, quote, the offensive line didn't give up eight sacks. They gave That's up true. four, and one of them was the last play of the half when I asked Joe to hold on to the ball for about 15 seconds. We had receivers involved. Some were on naked boots. Some are on the tight end. So there were a lot of people involved. I know eight sacks is always going to be a reflection of the offensive line, but that's just not the truth after this game. And, and here, here's my reaction to that, Jake, because I, I agree. It's not all on the offensive line. And the, the one was Drew Sample, right, getting lit up. And, and there were some other ones. And obviously you got a quarterback who's going to want to extend plays and want to try. But the reality of it is Zach Taylor's the one calling these plays. And running the ski you know this offense and, and uh it's his system it's his scheme and so two things one yeah it's not all on the offensive line but it's all on the offensive line and taylor to me because all the the ad-libbing that burrow does it, you know it might hurt you a little bit here and there but it's going to help you way more times than it's going to hurt you so i'm not blaming him for that i want him to do that as much as possible right it's like telling steph curry not to shoot 10 feet behind the three-point line well it may look like a bad shot, but not for Steph Curry. For for Joe Burrow, you, you know, let him ad lib. So that's what bothered me here is, yeah, it's not all on the offensive line, but I would say seventy li- no, percent offensive line, or no, sixty percent offensive line, forty percent play calling, and Joe Burrow gets a pass because he's been hit thirty thousand times over the past three weeks.
2: I I think that you can't quite give Joe Burrow a pass, I, I, and I'm not like blaming him for taking some sacks or holding the ball too long. I would rather he take some extra sacks in. All else equal, I'd rather him take some extra sacks and throw the ball away. The play when he does the spin move on the sideline, finds T. Higgins, gets called back. You can hear Zach Taylor, and and both Taylor and Burrow have talked about this now, yelling, you can hear it on the TV copy, yelling at Joe Burrow, throw it away, throw it away. And Burrow finds T. Higgins for that magical play that, you know, unfortunately didn't count. And, And it kind of laughs a little bit, gives Zach Taylor a wink afterwards. That's the kind of player that Joe Burrow is. And so even with a good offensive line, think about Ben Roethlisberger. Great offensive line in Pittsburgh, right? For for most of Roethlisberger's career, takes a lot of hits and, and manages to escape a lot of pressure. And that's part of what made him very effective for Pittsburgh. Joe Burrow, not that he's the same style of player as as Roethlisberger exactly, but he's trying to extend plays, right? And you can see you can see the guys that are used to this and the guys that aren't. A.J. Green doesn't really know what to do with a quarterback that extends plays. Sa- same is actually true for John Ross a little bit. Once their initial route is done, they're not working the way that you're seeing guys like T. Higgins and and Tyler Boyd and, and even Mike Thomas to some extent, even Auden Tate we saw this week working to find the holes in, in the scramble drill. And so there's like, conditioning that I think has happened for A.J. Green in that respect. But where this conversation started was how much is the offensive line to blame for the sacks? You wanted to give Joe Burrow a pass. I say, yeah, you can give him a pass insofar as he shouldn't change his behavior. But that doesn't mean that some of the sacks, some of the hits aren't a result of his playing style. That being said, it's it's actually true. I think that maybe four or five sacks actually on the offensive line, the Drew Sample play that, that he ends up one on one with Derek Barnett. Fran Duffy on Twitter actually breaks that down. The Eagles, uh, they, they sugar the A-gats the way Mike Zimmer does, they, and the Bengals went empty. So they have five guys to block six. Or no, they weren't empty. Drew, Drew Sample was in the line of scrimmage. They have six guys to block six, but three defensive linemen and the two linebackers are lined up over the Bengals' offensive line, which leaves Derek Barnett out over Drew Sample. And when the Bengals are empty here, this forces, as Fran Duffy pointed out, the, this forces the Bengals to go into a full-slide protection. To, to use the offensive line to account for everybody that's lined up over them. Otherwise, you get a free rusher in the A-gap, which necessitates Drew Sample being one-on-one with Derek Barnetto. So if you don't like it and you Joe Burrow, you've got to get somebody into the backfield to help, or you've got to take a timeout. Th- those are your options there. you got to get out of the play, or or, or you got to bring somebody in and, and somebody else to help block. So that is truly on Drew Sample in that case. That is his job, and, and maybe that's a scheme issue, maybe not. Maybe they need to take a time out there. That that's a pretty tricky one for me. Uh, now, the the point I wanted to get to though is maybe only four of the sacks are on the offensive line, but a whole lot of the hits are, and, and mm-hmm. that's a and that's a concerning thing. Sorry, I went on a long tangent there, but I think I got all the points I wanted to hit. And you're good, and that's the problem: is the hits. It's not just the sacks. Look,
1: the sacks suck because it puts you at second and fifteen or third and twenty. That's why the sacks suck. You know what hurts Burrow? The hits. And how many hits and how often, you know, if you're hit during half of your dropbacks and you're dropping back 50 times a game, which let's be honest, Jake, that's probably about right. Like I, at this point, I, 40 to 50 times a game, like that's until they get this running game going, but you know, it's probably in that range. So, you know, if Joe Burrow is going to get hit 25, 30 times, part of it is, yeah, he is young and he's going to learn that where there are times when he doesn't have to take hits that he's taking. But there are also times, like yesterday, and who was it that, that got the, the roughing penalty that should have got ejected? Malik Jackson. Malik Jackson. Look, he's the number one pick. He's the only reason they're going to be in games this year, at least through the th- first three weeks. He literally is. Like The more I think about how great he's played overall, it's, it's insane. <laughs> and, and I know he hasn't been perfect, but he just keeps them in game. I mean, they should really be 2-1, and one, and a lot of it has to do with Joe Burrow well, defensive players are going to take shots at him and they're going to push him out of bounds and they're going to hit him after he steps out, which I saw at least once where he gets pushed and it's borderline. And I might have thrown a flag like stuff like that is going to happen more as his star begins to grow. And it, it is up to him a little bit. Not, not the Malik Jackson hit, but just in general, cut out of bounds a half second earlier or, or, or a yard short, you know, not a yard short of the first down necessarily, I'm not saying, but a yard earlier than you could have. Just to preserve yourself. So I think there are times when that will happen. We saw him try to slide. What was it? I think it was week two against the Browns, and it just did not work. You know, things like that. He needs to get better at. But overall, this offensive line, man. I wrote on on Monday morning, and I know I'm the trade guy, but like I would desperately be looking here and just to see if you can get anything because this. This is about preserving Burrow for the future. And the draft is a long ways away. (laughs) And free agency is a long ways away. And you got to get through these next 13 games and hopefully have six or seven wins. Like, that's, you know, like, that's the reality of it. And uh, the only way you're going to do that is if you keep number nine, one, upright and healthy. And uh, they failed through three weeks. And by they, I mean the front office, I mean the coaching staff. Uh, in, in everybody else involved because the the coaches, they said all the right things, not only on the record, but off the record. I mean, did you hear many people chirping uh, from Paul Brown Stadium about how worried they were about the offensive line? No, I was pretty much everyone outside of the stadium and, and they spent all that money. Maybe Luana Rumo is a convincing man because he he got his way in the draft. He got his way in free agency. <laughs> he You know, he got all the talent and it's it's one thing to... To wait a little bit on the offensive line and, and, and neglect it, or, or you know, wait for guys to develop. But now that you got Joe Burrow, you can't wait. You got to take advantage of this stretch, the the next four years, while he's on this rookie deal, and uh, and, and really set up your next decade of, of Bengals football. And and after three games, it's clear he's great. But I, I question Taylor, and, and I, I certainly uh, question the rest of the coaching staff. And obviously, I know what the offensive line is, which as a whole, not every single one of these guys, but as a whole. It is an awful unit,
2: and, and I don't think you're crazy. Actually, here to propose a trade, I, I, I'm a, I'm actually with you for once here. Maybe not for once, but but for once in terms of <laughs> in, in terms of trades, you know. Because usually, I think trades in the NFL it's, it's so hard to talk about. They don't happen. It's not a common thing. The way you can talk about trades in baseball, and you know who's going to be available. The way you can talk about trades in basketball, and you can do all the cap stuff. Because basketball has really crazy, complicated accounting that that makes trades actually, I don't know, more interesting or fun to talk about. In the NFL, you just so rarely see it that it's so hard to talk about. But, you, you know, I, I agree with the people that are like, hey, go trade for Kevin Zietler. Go, go trade for, you know, I don't know, somebody who, who you had as a, as a strong backup somewhere else. Give up a second round pick for a guy mm-hmm. that has a little bit of team control. And, and it's find-
1: Kevin. Go okay. games. Go get him. That That's well, my guy.
2: May, maybe. I, I think that I, I would generally be looking a little bit younger and, and like, sure. you know, a guy that can get me three years or something. If I'm giving up a second round pick, right, and, and that's where I'm at is like, I'll give you a top 10 pick in the second round right now. If you give me a guard that, that I can play for two to three years. And, and I don't think
1: because of his money and he comes with like an $8.4 $8. million, $8.3 million cap hit this year. I don't think it would take a second. I think it would be less. You said to make $12 million in 2021, you know, maybe you, you add a year or two onto that and you try to stretch it out a little bit, but I, I I don't know, man. I I think I I would make the call in part of it. It's not just, you know, Kevin, it's the fact that the giants stink, you know, they're awful. And so they might be willing to do that. That's the problem here. You have a lot of people saying, oh, we'll trade Ross in a pick for someone or trade A.J. Green for an offensive lineman. Well, the teams that would want A.J. Green are the teams that are are, are going to, to want to win and are contending. And those teams probably aren't going to be willing to give up an offensive lineman, even if it is a, a backup, because of how valuable that lineman is. They'd much rather give up a pick. So that's why if you're the Bengals, you cannot just hoard these picks. you got to be willing to be flexible and atone for your mistakes, because you should have made
2: these moves six months ago. That's certainly the most challenging part. Because it's so hard to make a move like this in season in the NFL. And right now, and I've said this before on this podcast, the Bengals are laying in the bed they made. Coming up next, we'll talk about whether that bed that they've made is truly going to be detrimental to Joe Burrow's long-term career. I'm not there yet, but I am starting to get concerned. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar, I would say ever. I've, I've tried a lot of protein bars. James, I know you eat them when you work out. I eat them when I go play sports and I need a little bit of a pick me up, I need to get the energy to get through my activities and you got to love the way they taste. You got to love the macro breakdowns. Really? There's nothing that I don't love about built bars. I I eat them all the time. It's
1: a perfect snack. It doesn't matter if you're working out or not. Obviously you want that protein regardless and you want to be healthier. You're not sacrificing taste with built bar. They taste amazing. 18 different Awesome flavors. So, whether you like peanut butter or cherry bar, sear or cookies and cream, they have something for you. So, just go there right now, builtbar.com. Make sure you use promo code locked on. You're going to get $10 off your first order. Again, promo code locked on, $10 off at builtbar.com.
2: So there's this concept that you you see in the dark corners of Twitter, of NFL Twitter, that says the Bengals are going to ruin Joe Burrow. This was before the draft, and and now that he's been hit, the Malik Jackson hit from this week, which, you know, really is is nothing to do with the offensive line. It's just ultimately a good defensive play up by Derek Barnett, forcing Burrow back into the pocket and, and probably a dirty hit a little bit by Malik Jackson there. You just push the guy if he jumps in the air. But regardless of all of that, there's this question of what what actually does it take? What is the recipe to ruin it, ruining a quarterback? Because so far, Joe Burrow is one of, if not the best players on this Bengals offense. He has made so few mistakes, especially for a rookie, that it's, it's honestly staggering. I, I think that he is proving in, in just three weeks of NFL action that he's going to be every bit as good as advertised. Yeah, he doesn't have the flick of the wrist arm power that Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson have. But he, he's got everything else. And he's a really smart guy. He's not making mistakes out there. But you you watch his press conference after that game, after a tie game, and he just looks pissed, man. And, and so does Zach Taylor. But at what point... The, you know, how, how does how long does Burrow's unflappableness persevere? And, and I think that it's a long time. I don't think we're at this point yet, but let's talk about the ingredients, James, that go into ruining a quarterback that, that we've seen historically in the NFL. I think there's a couple. One of them, the Bengals certainly have, which is unrelenting pressure and hits on the quarterback. We We saw this. People talk about David Carr all the time. He's not the only example. Mm-hmm. The other big factor, I think, is an, an inexperienced coaching staff or a bad coaching staff. And, and so far, Zach Taylor hasn't fully grown into this role and, and it doesn't seem like this coaching staff is ready for this responsibility. What are the other ingredients, James, or, or what do you think of those maybe in terms of what, what risk factors are we exposing Joe Burrow to here in Cincinnati so far? Well, those are certainly two. And,
1: and I think the key... Look, Joe's not going to break this year. Breaking news. He, he will not break this year. It doesn't matter what happens. He's also not going to call out Zach Taylor. He, he's just too good of a guy. Uh, he, he didn't call out his offensive line. He defended them after that awful, their awful play uh, against the Browns. I mean, that, that's what he does. That's how he's going to be. But the key to this, and I go back to Carson and that uh, football life, the key to it, you need to show Joe Burrow that you're willing to do everything you bleepin' can to give him what it takes to win. He knows his offensive line sucks. He's not gonna say it, right? He might not say it to Zach. He might not say it to anyone. But when he's sitting down at home with his family for Thanksgiving, and, and you know, in a couple months, he's gonna be like, yeah, man, they're, they're trash. I'd love Penny Sewell. <laughs> I'd love to get some guys up there. And, and that's why... If I'm the Bengals, I would aggressively try to address it in the next week or two. I, I would really, like, look, the, it's, it's so important to show him that you're willing to do everything you can to protect him. And he, he knows that with the receivers and the weapons you've given him. I, I certainly feel that way. Um, but, but that's part of it. And then obviously, yeah, the, the coaching aspect of it it, it, it comes down to this. If Zach Taylor in this staff does not show that they're going to get the most, maximize Joe Burrow. Because in Arizona, they think Cliff Kingsbury is getting the most out of Kyler Murray. Whether that's fair or not, that's how they feel right now in Arizona. Uh, Sean McVay, it didn't take long for Rams fans to realize, man, he's going to get the most out of Jared Goff. Well, it's not going to take long here either. And last year he gets a pass, and the staff got a pass. But now we're three games in. There are plenty of times where I'm like, what the hell are you doing from the 50th second and 10 run of the day, which is just awful, um, to to just some of the spots he's put Burrow in. Nothing has come easy for Burrow in this offense. And with these playmakers, some throws should be easy. And I really don't – I can't think of many, Jake, where it's like, oh, there's a guy in space and he just finds him. There's just – it's very rare. And so – those are the two things. That one, the organization needs to show that, hey, we know this is an issue. We're gonna fix it and we're gonna do everything we can to fix it. And two, if Zach shows he's not the guy and this staff shows it's not it, you can't pull a Marvin and give him 10 years. And I know Marvin was good early, but my point is you can't give him too long. You gotta go. You gotta move. Because hell, it's almost like falling in love, man. You you should know after a couple dates if you're really into her or not, or you're really into him or not. And We're three games into the Zach Taylor experiment after a whole year of, I don't even want to say underperforming, but just bad play. And it doesn't feel good. So how do we feel at week nine, you know, during the bye? How do we feel week 13, week 14? This organization cannot sit on its hands when it comes to everything around Joe Burrow because he's legit and you can tell it right away. And I'm not sure anything else around him is. And that's that's very worrisome. You want to talk about breaking a guy? It's that because David Carr, I know he flashed. He was never Joe Burrow. I mean, he was never this type of dude where you could just see him. See, you're right. Seething in press conferences. And I know I'm ranting. I'm sorry. But but afterwards, just so pissed off and distraught that they lost knowing they could have won in not in a selfish way. You're right. Not in a Cam Newton after the Super Bowl way in a. I can't believe we lost. We should have won that game type of way. And, and you want to help that guy. And hopefully
2: they do. And, and you hear that from Tyler Boyd too, right? Talking about how the losing starting to get to him. He feels terrible for Joe. You know, he, he knows that how bad Joe Burrow wants to win. And, and let me be clear about one thing. I'm not, I'm not worried about Joe Burrow's long-term future yet, but the, the conditions are there that mm-hmm. you need to pay attention to it and, and monitor it. Because if, if it doesn't get better, and you make a good point about Carson Palmer and the organization doesn't do what they need to do to support him, Willie Anderson said it, right? The thing that Willie Anderson said all offseason when it became clear that the Bengals were going to draft Joe Burrow was, don't put it all on Joe Burrow. Help him. And, mm-hmm. and right now, it's all on Joe Burrow. He's the reason that they are in games. That That they've got a combined point differential and they had a tie. But they've got a point differential of eight, so the 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 point here is that they've got something good in Joe Burrow. There there's a million reasons to be extremely optimistic for Joe Burrow about the future in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And you talk about championship windows. Really, it, it's two years from now, where if they don't have it figured out in two years, and they're not a Super Bowl contender in two years. That's that's the sweet spot right now. That's toward the end of the rookie deal, right? That's where you can afford to maximize your spending and build up a huge roster around the where Baltimore is
1: right now.
2: That's where Baltimore is, where Kansas City is. It's where the Rams won. The only teams that, that aren't really in that situation are, are, are like, you know, the Bill Belichick teams of the world. Last point here. Joe Burrow, according to PFF through three weeks, already a top 10 quarterback, James. I don't know. I don't know if you've looked at this or not. Uh number 10 in, in overall offensive grade and in passing grade. He is uh ahead of Matt Ryan, Deshaun Watson, just behind Pat Mahomes, uh behind Lamar Jackson, ahead of Kyler, ahead of Rothelsberger, ahead of uh Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield, Drew Brees is obviously having a, a rough season, but he's already there. He's already ready to go. And and all of my preseason opining that yeah this team's a couple of years away it didn't need to be if they put the team around Joe Burrow he's ready right now
1: and I think you're seeing that and I, I really I hope Zach finds a way to to get these guys open because nothing's been easy Jake and I, th- that's kind of what I come back to and I know there's a lot of reasons for it but some of these pitches and catches need to get easier for him
2: last year they got a little bit better as the season wore on We'll see if they can make those adjustments this year. And unfortunately, I think they they the changes need to come before the bye. It just it needs to start this week against Jacksonville. This should be a get right week. We'll see if it is a get right week, and and if they if they drop it or you know, they're favored for the first time this season, then then I think those seats are are boiling hot. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're back tomorrow to catch you up on what's going on with the Bengals. We've got Chrissy Freud who covered Joe Burrow at LSU and is covering him in Cincinnati. I want to ask her, how does she think Joe Burrow is dealing with the adversity that he's going through with this offensive line and this adaptation to, to losing games, which he didn't do at LSU for, for quite a long time until then Bengals fans who day and have a good one.
0: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this off season,